0: It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people, and that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fassoni, and let's get started. I'm sitting here with Katerina Elaine. Katarina, how are you?
1: I'm doing great.
0: Great, tell us who you are.
1: All right. Uh, I am a polytheistic traditional witch slash witchen, wiccan. So, um,. The theism kind of has to do with being involved with working with deity, and polytheism just means multiple deities. So basically anybody under that term of paganism is probably polytheistic, but then there are also a lot of pagans who are agnostic, so they don't necessarily believe in or work with deities, but they still do all of the other witchcraft things. Uh, So that's kind of just to let people know where I fall on that scale of things.
0: Unpack that again, please. The difference between... Say what you just said again, please.
1: Yeah. So I'm a polytheistic traditional witch slash Wiccan.
0: Okay, let's start there. What is polytheistic again?
1: Polytheistic is multiple deities. Okay. Working with multiple deities or spirits. uh, Because theism has to do with working with deity. And... A lot of people are not that. Um, they may be witches, they may be Wiccan, but they might be agnostic, so they don't really believe in any deities or spirits. Uh, so I like to differentiate between, yes, I am a person who believes in deities and works with them, um, whereas some witches are just doing witchcraft as a practice and they're not really into the more religious side of things.
0: Okay. So you believe in multiple
1: yes. deities? Yeah, Absolutely. There's whole pantheons of deities if you look into ancient history at all. You have Egyptians, you have Romans, you have all these different different beings that are spiritual beings.
0: And because you said the word, I want to jump right into it. Okay. That way there isn't anyone listening thinking something they shouldn't. Dispel, probably the wrong way to say that, wish, witchcraft. Oh. You said the word. People are probably thinking, okay, this is...
1: <laughs> yeah, so they so want to know ahead. what witchcraft is. Yes, um, it's, it's not
0: what we see in movies.
1: You Not at all. Uh, the media depicts magic in, you know, very fantastical ways. And a lot of pagan people, a lot of Wiccan people do find inspiration from those shows and those books. But that's not anything like the practice we are actually doing in real life when we do witchcraft. It's a lot more psychological, it's a lot more subtle, it's maybe even related to theater in some ways, Um, and it is a great way to help you process things in your life.
0: So tell us how you specifically practice witchcraft so that we have a frame of reference for that word and how you use it.
1: Yeah, I would define witchcraft as a practice. Uh, A lot of different people define it differently. So it kind of depends on who you ask, but in general, witchcraft is a practice in the same way that Buddhists practice meditation. So you can be a Buddhist who practice meditation, or you can be a person who's not a Buddhist, and you can practice meditation. Okay. Wiccans and a lot of pagans practice witchcraft, but then there are a lot of people who practice witchcraft who aren't of the religion of Wicca, or they maybe aren't on okay. a pagan path. And The practice is kind of the same as energy work. Um, A lot of people are familiar with that term because you can do all kinds of energy work. They've heard of Reiki. They've heard of working energetically with crystals. So witchcraft is essentially that. You're building energy in some way, shape or form. I do a lot of candle magic. So I do a lot of focusing energy on a candle and then lighting it. And then you send that energy out to do something, whatever you like.
0: So not like you said, kinda what's not in the movies.
1: Yeah, not at all what's in the movies. Um the movies really exaggerate a lot of things and and get a lot of things very backwards. They
0: I had to, if I had to guess, people who also do grid work in meditation may not call it witchcraft though.
1: Some of them do and some of them don't. Okay. Yes, yeah. And there's there's a pretty crazy divide between um people who are doing that who will call it witchcraft and who won't call it witchcraft. Witchcraft is one of those terms that is just so flexible. It kind of depends on who you ask, in a sense. And I always say this about Wiccans, too. You could talk to a hundred Wiccans, you could talk to a hundred pagans, and you could ask them what they believe, and you're not going to get the same answer every time. Uh, It's not a spiritual path that has a lot of dogma or even organization it's very individual each person has to come up with their own code of ethics and has to sort of find their own way of doing it
0: but you're sort of and these are this is this isn't my assumption so much as some homework maybe I've done on you <laughs> but you're sort of I don't want to use the word leader but it seems like people look to you in this Midwest region at least, and you said it, I think maybe months or so ago, and I saw somewhere on social media, that you'd kind of by default become this spokesperson for your community.
1: In some ways, yeah. Here in Kansas City, um, I'm one of several community leaders that we have, uh, and mostly that's because I run these different retreats and things like that, and because I have experience working in metaphysical stores. And that's kind of a big deal as far as pagan clergy is concerned Um, I like to use the word clergy pagans don't actually have a job for paid clergy but clergy work is a lot of the stuff that I do it's helping people through hard times Um, it's doing ceremonies that are like rites of passage and doing sort of not services but rituals for people and community rituals that people can come and enjoy
0: nice but again, you're not...
1: But there, there is no, um, yeah, official leaders of Kansas City that are voted on or anything like that. Okay, um, so there's no hierarchy. No hierarchy. No, no, that doesn't exist. Uh, just kind of depends on who's out there being active and doing stuff in the community. And that's usually the people that get looked to for leadership. That
0: makes sense. Okay, so you kind of unpacked witchcraft a little bit. Now, how would you define paganism?
1: That's an even harder, even bigger umbrella term. Um, Paganism is so broad, it can include all kinds of people. In some ways, it's almost a culture as much as it is like a religion. There are a lot of pagans who aren't really into a specific spiritual path, but they get into the culture. Uh, When I say paganism, I should be more specific. What I'm technically talking about is neo-paganism. Because none of us are actual ancient pagans, right? And what's we, the difference? The difference is that neo-paganism would be like a revival, and then paganism is actually the ancient religions of Europe. Okay. So neo-paganism is this revival that happened in like know, roughly the '60s um, and is still happening, where people started researching the old religions of Europe and they started kind of recreating that sort of thing. Um, so doing very similar stuff and trying to live in very similar ways and pagans don't like to be called neo-pagans. I think they find it a little insulting, but the truth of it is that what we're doing is something that's slightly different than the Mm -hmm. ancient people, you know? Um, so we are, we are neo-pagan, but we don't love that. (laughs) Just so you know. Um,
0: (laughs) so how did you get here?
1: How did I get into yes paganism? So I'm just
0: assume it wasn't, or were you? Was this how you were raised? No,
1: uh, there are so I know a lot of people who were raised pagan. How um, were you raised? Pagans do have kids, and actually I find them to be great parents. But um, I was raised conservative Christian. My dad was actually a preacher, uh, and this is why I have a lot of um, knowledge of sort of how to do clergy work and probably has led to a lot of my success in the community uh, is because I grew up with that and I saw how he would take care of people and communities and learned a lot from him. Uh, he was a great teacher, so he did a really good job, but a lot of the other members of my family were very oppressive um, and controlling and there was a lot of problems going on there. Eventually, I reached this place in my life where, you know, I had some traumatic stuff happening And I was studying the Bible, but the Bible wasn't matching up with, like, the things that preachers were saying on TV, you know. Like, there was a lot of problems going on there that didn't match up for me. And I just thought, this is not for me. Like, I don't need this. It's not helping me. Um, And then I started looking into other religions. And that's one of the things that is, I guess, one of the misconceptions that people don't realize about pagans is that most of us have studied other religions. We've usually made a study of a lot of different things uh, before we ended up with paganism. So I looked into a few things, and when I ended up with Wicca, I read that beginner book that is classic, that almost everybody reads, which is by Scott Cunningham. And I just thought this is for me, this is perfect. I believe it's Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Might have to check me on that okay. one. <laughs> um, it's a, the little green book. You'd know it if you saw it. But um, And I read that and mm-hmm. I thought, this is perfect for me. And one of the things that was most appealing about it is that there were goddesses involved in Wicca. And so there were these feminine role models in a way, these feminine archetypes that I'd never seen before in any other religion. And I felt like this is a place where I can learn lessons from these feminine archetypes and improve myself and be a better person this way. Um, And that was something I needed in my life, was goddesses.
0: Nice. How long ago was this, approximately?
1: 11, 15 years, somewhere in there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I would have been about 19. Okay. Yeah.
0: How did your family respond
1: they did not like it at first. Um, let
0: me just, how are, are they responding now?
1: My dad, the preacher, has made peace with it. The rest of the family, we don't really get along. Okay. Um, but me and my dad still get along. He's interestingly the most open-minded of them, being the actual preacher. Um, so he he kind of views it as a Celtic take on... Uh, Christianity, which I wouldn't say is accurate, but that seems to make him feel better. So, yeah. I, so I let it happen. To it, yeah, that's how he has to frame it. Yeah, that's <laughs> how he has to frame it. Then so be it. Um, then so be it. Um, but it, yeah, it works really well for me. And uh, because I also traveled to Ireland, that's where he got the Celtic thing, is how that's related to that. Um, so when I wanted to study witchcraft, I went over to Ireland to do that. Why? You know... I was young and I think partially I just wanted an adventure. But I mean, I is, Ireland, is
0: Ireland a hub for um, that? Or is it, it, p-
1: it is. Ireland and England both. Uh, there are a lot of different paths of Wicca, witchcraft, a lot of different traditions, neo-pagan traditions. And for a time period there the Celtic traditions were a really big deal. That was kind of, we go through trends. If you work in a metaphysical store, you realize that pagans have these trends. They'll be like into Egyptian stuff for a few years and then they're into Celtic stuff, you know. So that was kind of the thing at the time. Um, So I thought, okay, I'm going to go to Ireland and I'm going to find someone to teach me witchcraft. Um, And I did, and that worked out really well. I went over to Galway and I lived there for a couple of months with a couple that took us in, me and the partner that I had at the time. And they just taught me kind of how to live as pagans, and they had this whole big library of books that I would just go up and read their witchcraft books every day. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty amazing that it worked out. Uh, in retrospect, I'm kind of like, wow, that was crazy. I was 19 and I just sold my stuff and jumped over to another country. Uh, but that's the kind of thing you do when you're that age. So
0: that's true. Did you meet the couple prior to going over there, or did you meet them? I did them not. Once? I did so not just know them. Over I just there. went. <laughs> how do you? Oh wow. So you went out there and you found, I'm guessing, yeah. you found a community of people.
1: I call it intuition, usually. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes sometimes I have the intuition and it worked out really well for me.
0: Okay. I'm going to ask you another definition question because mm-hmm. you said it. Wiccan.
1: Yeah. Wiccan is a specific religion that falls under that umbrella of paganism. Um, so it was founded sort of by, you could probably say, Gerald Gardner um in about like the 1950s ish um and what they did is they took some ceremonial magic stuff from medieval times and then they even took some like Hindu stuff and then a bunch of the traditions of like local folk magic that were happening in Europe at the time and even before that time and they combined them all together into this religion that was just kind of like the best of things Um, There's a lot of other options. Not all witches are Wiccan. That's definitely for sure. I just find it to be the best thing, personally. I really enjoy it. It's very romantic, so... Explain the romanticism. There's a lot of poetry and literature in traditional Wicca. uh, And a lot of aesthetics. You build these really beautiful altars. You have jewelry. You dress in certain oh. ways. Um, it gets a little theatrical. I like and jewelry. Yeah. That helps set the scene, set your emotions so that you can really have a good experience when you're doing rituals.
0: Okay. So Wiccan, witchcraft, paganism, yes. all different.
1: All different. Yes. There's um, obviously
0: crossover. Yeah. That's why we're talking Wickans about them. Wiccans
1: practice witchcraft. Witches might not be Wiccans. Uh-huh. And pagans... Might not be Wiccan or practice witchcraft. (laughs) It's a mess. It's a mess. Um, But that's what you get when you have these groups of thousands of people who are free to sort of make up their own things and do things how they like. And so nobody is telling them exactly how they have to do it, which is nice. That's a nice freedom. Uh, But it does make communication a little tricky sometimes because you have to ask more questions to figure out what somebody believes or practices.
0: Yeah, obviously. Where do you guys, do you guys meet? You guys. <laughs> do do you guys meet weekly, monthly?
1: Yes. Um, there's a huge community of pagans in Kansas City, by the way. Okay. Um, just massive. Like compared to most cities, we actually have a ton of them here, which is very interesting. Um. So there are a lot of different multiple groups around the city that meet at different times. Mostly, people will often meet for public rituals for the Sabbaths, which that's... For the what? The Sabbaths. They are eight holidays um, around the wheel of the year, and they happen at different times of the year. We just had, in bulk recently, was our sort of February holiday. And they're all based around agriculture, is the theme that you have. So our most recent holiday was a celebration of, you know, spring is here, there's new life, we need to focus on growing new things that kind of stuff. Often people will meet for big public rituals for those holidays and it's kind of a celebration. And then also a lot of witches will meet for full moons and they'll get together then.
0: How many full moons are there in a year?
1: Too many. Uh, 13, I think. (laughs) I do believe there's 13 because there's always that odd one, that little blue moon. We love that. That's a fun one.
0: Okay. Okay. So you guys have eight Gatherings, if you will, that are based kind of around seasons?
1: Yeah. Yeah, based around around nature and around seasons. They follow sort of an agricultural calendar, which is a little bit rough because, especially here in the city, most of us aren't farming, Um, so it's hard to get into tune with that. But I think it appeals to something in our nature. You know, as humans, we evolved very quickly into these cities and societies, but in some parts of our body, we're still really better suited for hunting and gathering so i think it appeals to something sort of deep in us to reattune ourselves to nature and get in tune with that again
0: where do you guys meet
1: lots of places um there is a gaia community that is a center in kansas city where people will meet for rituals there's also a place called camp gaia that is further out in kansas what does camp gaia ground. mean gaia is an earth goddess from greek mythology so you see that used a lot because okay. um, it's a very earth and nature focused sort of culture and religion for those of us who are doing it as a religion. Um, but for people who aren't, very nature focused culture. A lot of hippies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you find that it, is it a certain age?
1: Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. Um, it's It's every age. And it's been going on for generations at this point. So you do have people who were, you know, born and raised in households where their parents were pagan. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole age of people.
0: If I was, <clears throat> let's say I was searching for uh, a new spiritual guidance, and I thought paganism was it for me, or Wiccan, mm-hmm. or witchcraft, um, it's very easy for me to get involved online and find something virtual. How would I do that if I, I'm in Kansas City? Where all three of us are in Kansas City. Yeah. If you're interested in that type of thing, where do you go?
1: What, so do, you, what do you do? do you you just start- need to look for festivals and events that are going on because there's a lot out there. The Kansas City Witches Meetup does regular sort of open public rituals. Uh, the Kansas City Psychic Fair does a lot of stuff. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah. Makes and sense. the
1: best way to do that is to go out to public events, sort of get involved in that. Then you, from there you can meet people that have smaller groups that you might want to really get involved with. And that's where a lot of people don't take the time. Um, but in order to get involved in paganism, there's a little bit of a vetting process required. Because we have endured a lot of persecution, and we still do. It still happens. So we don't tend to take in new people right away. Uh, we tend to wait until they've been around a little bit and we can feel like we trust them. And then we say, oh, you know, so-and-so, okay, well, why don't you come to our full moon ritual tomorrow? Um, that kind of thing. So you just have to hang around public events until you sort of get to know people.
0: Can you explain what has happened in the past that has made vetting important, important?
1: Yeah, the persecution used to be pretty intense. Um, there were times when pagan rituals were being firebombed. Uh, the original metaphysical store in Kansas City actually was was like burned down. Um, Which store is that? It's called. It was called the Magic Lantern. Uh, it's no longer a store. Um, it has been. You know, Mike Nichols has retired since then. Uh, but back in the day, there used to be attacks on the store and things like that. A weird amount of violence against people who were doing stuff like what we are
0: interesting um,
1: and there's still a lot of cases where paganism is being used to like people will get fired for it or they will lose their kids um, that still happens if they'll lose custody because people found out they were pagan and there's just so many misconceptions about it that everyone thinks it's you know, bad or toxic or evil or whatever um, which is really sad um, so it yeah it makes us as a community a little bit Unsure of new people, and it takes us just a minute to trust.
0: But there have been instances where, let's say, me, for example, would try to join or be a part of, and I get in with bad intentions. That actually happened.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it's happened. So I want to be a, a mole in. or whatever you want to call it. One in. of the worst problems actually has been sexual predators. Um, because pagans have a view about sex that it's healthy and it's normal and it's natural. We're very accepting of it. Um, But in the past, and we've put a lot of work into getting rid of this, there used to be people who would try to join who were sexual predators and would try to take advantage of people, and that was always a huge problem.
0: Yeah, that that would be. Um, Luckily, there's a database for those types of people who are— Yes,
1: yes, and now all of our festivals go through the database and make sure that nobody who attends is actually registered, so—
0: Good. So let's talk about metaphysical.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, Well, actually, let's. You talk about the metaphysical. (laughs) Because I can't. (laughs) And I could, but, you know. (laughs) You don't know anything of metaphysical, huh? No, not really.
1: Um, I
0: mean, you know, I've. No, I don't. Metaphysical is a
1: good keyword that was kind of used, again, when pagans were being persecuted more and so we were kind of sort of in hiding um so we would open stores and these stores used to be a lot of things essentially they were temples and safe places for pagans to meet and this is not very long ago i'm talking like the 60s and 70s um Safe places for people to meet and do pagan things, but we would use the word metaphysical. It's a metaphysical store, and we would kind of say, oh, it's just, it's like crystals and new age stuff, Um, Mm -hmm. or oh, we're just selling like beauty products, Um, but then it was secretly we were doing pagan stuff. So, (laughs) metaphysical is just kind of energy work. You know, it's a really broad term for kind of anything that's uh, not science. Not quite science. What's your favorite
0: metaphysical store in Kansas City?
1: Ugh, well, I worked at Aquarius four years, so I think I'm oh, a little really? biased about... Oh, really? Just around the corner? Yeah, just around the corner. I'm a little biased about that one because I was there for so long.
0: How long did you work there?
1: Yeah, four years. When? Um, about six months ago. Um, no, no, what, about a year ago. Were I'm you sorry.
0: in the back with the meta, like with yeah, the yeah? I, I did
1: their events and marketing, so I was often in the back book room or in the office. I wasn't always out on the floor selling things, though. I did do a lot of that as well.
0: Okay, I mean they're like once a month for a watch battery. Yeah, or have a silver clean. <laughs> yeah,
1: over to Vulcan's Forge. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, it's, you're fine. I considered same the same building. Same yeah. building. Same building. There. Um.
0: There's multiple.
1: Are, in yeah. There they are. Yeah. So, um, what happened is that. Barbara owns Aquarius, and her son, Russ, owns Vulcan's Forge, so they just got a building together. It's kind of a family thing.
0: Is Russ the man with the gray hair? Probably. And the goatee?
1: Probably, yeah. You're probably thinking of him.
0: I just know Jade.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: And there's someone new there.
1: Jade is good stuff.
0: Um, (laughs) But yeah, I go in there for jewelry cleanings, or like I said, a watch battery. Oh, yeah. uh, I went in there one time with a friend of mine, his wife, and their daughter. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This must have been six or seven years ago. And they have a room in the back where they take a picture of your aura.
1: <laughs> they used to have that, yes. Oh, that's, no, that's, yeah. that's gone? Um, it's broken down, the camera is, so, uh. and they weren't able to get it replaced. Um, but there are still some people at some of the psychic fairs who do aura photography. Is that pretty is, legit? Which is very Im- Depends on who you ask. I'm not I'm sure. I'm asking you. Uh, asking me. I'm um, asking Katarina I'm um, a little skeptical about it, Katarina. but I've learned to see auras... Um, so I'm like, why would you take a picture when you can just see them? But that's uh, like, okay. obviously not a skill that everybody has developed. So you're just showing off. Uh, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so the, here we go. What's Tim's aura?
1: Purple. Sorry, Tim. I <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot, Tim. Tim has a purple aura and he is deep in thought. There you go. Nothing purple. crazy. <laughs>
0: All right. What's mine? It's black.
1: Smug. Oh, not black, not black. Um, there's a little, a little bit of yellow, and that usually shows a lot of energy and excitement. Um, and then there's a lot of white, sort of around your face and around your head, um, and that actually shows connecting with your spirituality, usually, or kind of connecting with wisdom and like your higher sense of self.
0: You just said that to be nice. <laughs> you sure there isn't white because I'm in front of a window?
1: And it could be white because you're in front of a window. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm, kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and energy is interesting because even though I might be telling you my interpretation, um Everyone experiences it so differently. So even other people who see auras might see the colors differently because that means something to them. Um, It's really interesting how those kind of abilities work. I've known people who instead of being able to see colors, they would like get weird smells or they would sense like patterns instead of colors. Uh, Yeah, energy is fantastic. It's, It's very interacts with our specific brain chemistry in different ways.
0: Do you practice energy healing?
1: Yeah, yeah. I do chakra energy healing with crystals, so it's kind of crystal assisted. And then usually at the end of that session, I will tell people like what their aura looked like, what their energy looked like, and what that means to me, my interpretation of that. So I can kind of tell them areas they need to work on and areas they're doing really well in their life. Uh, and then, I, as you know, I do tarot readings as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how we met. Yeah. Um, is it okay that I say that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a fun time.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, um, I mean, as standoffish as I can be, I was, but that's who I am, and not really. But
1: oh, I've had much, much worse clients. You're fine. Oh well, thank you.
0: <laughs> I uh, I saw the post, and I um, it, it I'll be honest, it sounded quick and easy, mm-hmm. and I was mildly interested. Mm-hmm. So, like, well, why not? You know, it was being, it was readily available to me because I saw it online, so it made there it seem go. like it re- it was within reach. Um, and I got to meet your cat.
1: <laughs> yes, I got my cat loved him. He, I my cat doesn't normally that. love people. So. I love animals. Yeah,
0: uh, just the best.
1: Mm, he is a cutie. Yeah, he's a classic black cat, as you would expect a witch to have. So, he's a fun one. <laughs> All
0: right. So, talk about what other—I don't want to call them services—but what other things are you practicing that you know that really anyone listening to this can call you up and be a part of from your energy healings, to your tarot readings, to what else do I not know about you?
1: Temple Scarlet is one of the main things I do personally.
0: What is Um, it? Let's dive into that then.
1: Yeah. It's it's a sacred sexuality project in in. Kansas City. Pretty easy to find. It's just templescarlet.com. And I do a lot of stuff through that project. Um, as I was saying, pagans and wiccans, they have a different view on the subject of sex. It's not something that's dirty or taboo or wrong or whatever. Um, and even the nude body is considered something that's just natural. That's just normal. Um, not something that they look at as being necessarily sexual even. Just something that's totally natural. So, it's, it's not uncommon to find that pagans are really, really sex positive and really body positive. Um, What I do specifically is I put on retreats twice a year, and I have one coming up May 19th, 20th, and 21st, and they're a small retreat of people who come together and we do classes all day. So there's classes on all kinds of topics. There's a lot of classes on trauma and healing. There are classes on different, like, kinky topics, like shibari, Um, classes on non-monogamy if you want to have a different style of relationship and how to arrange that with multiple partners. It's a lot of really interesting stuff.
0: You know, it sounds like when you explain it like that, Katerina, that, you know, the human body and sexuality isn't taboo. Well, that's how it should be. I agree. Why should it be? You know, it almost feels like religion aside, it almost seems like we as a society, peoples have come that far.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I think, I hope. Mm
1: -hmm. We're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, it's mostly been somewhat in Buddhism, but also Western religion that has sort of put this idea in people's heads that like bodily things are wrong and worldly things are wrong, and we should be striving for just the non physical or whatever the afterlife is that
0: not to interrupt that seems so it seems so against where culture and not so much culture, Michael. What am I trying to say? It seems so against where, yeah, our culture, our society's going. We're going towards a more open, more uh, less censored, um, less taboo. So t- it seems like anything else would be going backwards, religion aside.
1: Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. Um, and I think we are sort of moving in that direction. And you can tell with how paganism is sort of blossoming in our society right now. But the the earth-based religions, religions that are based in nature, like Wicca, also like Taoism and stuff, um, never did have that mentality. They always considered the physical senses to be a part of your spiritual experience.
0: Let's start uh, Taoism. How is it compared the two? Because some people may understand Taoism before they understand paganism.
1: I don't know if I can say that I'm an expert on Taoism okay, at all, okay. um, but I know that there, there is a lot they have in common as far as using the symbols of nature to learn lessons and their idea of, like I said, the physical body being something that is sacred in a way and that the things we experience in our body in the here and now are the point. Okay. Like that's the point is um you're supposed to be experiencing that. Okay. So, and enjoying it as much as you can.
0: Is there a misconception about paganism and monogamy?
1: Yeah, um, I think a lot of people think that no pagans are monogamous. They think that all pagans sort of just sleep around with everyone um and that's wild. That's not what happens. <laughs> so there are a lot of non-monogamous people who are pagan, there's overlap, but then there's also a lot of non-monogamous people who aren't pagan. Like, it's it's not like the two things have right. to go together. And there are monogamous people who are pagan. There are people with right. traditional families and kids who are pagan. Um, you know. But so
0: paganism is not tied to non-monogamy.
1: Not necessarily. Now, ancient pagans were not monogamous, because monogamy didn't really come around until the Catholic Church. So... In a sense, okay. you could say if we're taking our inspiration from the ancient pagans and we are. The roots
0: then, of paganism. Right,
1: from the roots of paganism, then it doesn't really make sense for us to be monogamous. But again, it's up to the individual to figure out what works for them.
0: Okay. Okay. Talk more about the retreat. It's this May, 19th yeah. through 22nd. Yeah. Can anyone go?
1: Anyone 21 and older okay. who is not a sex offender. So okay. That's those are the things that we check for.
0: How do I go? Where do I log in? Where do I register?
1: TempleScarlet.com has it, and there's a little page that's just register for the spring retreat. Okay. Um, all of the different rules that we have are on there, so people can read through them and kind of see exactly what we expect, what our guidelines are. It's very consent culture oriented, um, so we are really big on you need to respect other people's boundaries, Um, any amount of consent, their emotional boundaries, definitely their touch boundaries. Um, we also have a sober consent rule where if you're going to touch someone, you have to have agreed upon it before substances. So if you decide you want to drink while you're out camping, you need to have that figured out before you start drinking, which makes a lot of sense. Um, can you, can can
0: you, can you, um, can you spend some more time on that, please? The sober consent?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. In a lot, Well, in a lot of ways, pagans don't adhere to the normal things that are, like, taboo. Um, so you get a lot of fun partying going on, and they're really bonding experiences for pagans. But I do think that people get too into that. Like, they just see pagans having a party, and they're like, oh, these are wild party people. Um, there's more to it. It's not a party without a purpose. The purpose is usually there. We're connecting. We're sharing magical things. There's something else going on besides just partying, but that gets exaggerated a lot.
0: But the sober consent. Yeah. What is the, so I have to be sober to con-
1: yeah, give consent? To, yeah, you have to be sober to give consent. And you need to, like if you're interested in someone, you need to talk to them and work out things you might like to do together before you both start drinking. Interesting. It's a way of making sure that everyone is really consenting from a place of a clear head.
0: So it's like, hey, I kind of dig you. I'm going to go have a few.
1: Yeah.
0: And if I still dig you?
1: Right. If I'm still into this later, do you want to hang out? Do you want to cuddle? Do you want to play around? Are you into kinky stuff? Do you want me to flog you? Like having conversations about it before we start drinking or anything happens. And it's a little hard because it's a subject where people do get kind of like anxious to do that kind of thing, but it makes a huge difference when you start just bringing it into the open and talking about what you'd maybe like to do or not with people.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, Did you bring any cards with you today?
1: No, I didn't.
0: It's okay. What else can you tell us about Temple Scarlet? What else can we find on the website?
1: You can find all sorts of classes will be out pretty soon that we're doing And we also do rituals every night. So it is a camping retreat. Um, So you camp there, and then every night around the fire, we do a ritual, which is usually in the format of kind of a traditional Wiccan ritual. Uh, And then after that, it's just community fires and people talking. Most of it is just education and people learning about themselves. Uh, You will find every form of gender represented. There are a lot of different, like, queer and transgender people that show up to it because it is about sexuality and gender expression is part of it and we're all trying to learn more about what that is um, and we're trying to listen to the people who are that so that they can teach us more about what it is
0: who puts the retreat on you
1: yeah i do it
0: how many years have you done this
1: since 2018 Oh wow. um a break for a year or two because of covid we did take that so yeah
0: so probably really excited for this year.
1: Yes. Because I imagine yeah. last
0: year was probably kind of hit and miss and yeah, like a was, lot of public it was a little, things. Well,
1: last year we sold out. Um, but oh, cool. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of interest in it. So there's um, a capacity. Yes. there's I, Actually, this is the first year I've done it twice. I'm doing it twice this year because we kept selling out and more people wanted to come to good it. Good for you. Um, thank you. It is good. But I also want to maintain the intimacy of the retreat by the end of the weekend, I want everyone to feel really comfortable and sort of know each other. That's so why I, you broke it up and. Yeah, I broke it up and I limit it to fifty or less people.
0: Okay. So that 50. It, so yeah, That's so it small. stays
1: pretty small. It does. It does. But um, but
0: that fosters more learning.
1: It yeah. And more it does.
0: interconnectivity.
1: And people open up more to more in depth discussions when it's with each a smaller yeah. group. Yeah. It's yeah, It's it really big.
0: Is. It's it's like it's big enough to have a little bit of group think. Mm-hmm. To be kind of you know fun and have kind of a. Um, energy about it, you know, mm-hmm. like a festival, like a retreat, like, yeah, like the yeah. board, uh, you know, but it's also small enough to where you can, you can kind of get a one-on-one, you know, you know, whether it's with you, you know, who's leading this, this retreat or, you know, with, with someone else who you've met there.
1: Yeah. Or any of the teachers who do a class, you can spend time with them. Yeah. Um, and that is the goal is to keep that level of intimacy because it becomes a whole transformational thing for a lot of people. They've said it changed them in really big ways, so.
0: So, this is a question I have to ask because I'm me. Do you bring your own food?
1: Yes, for the retreat, <laughs> yes. Um, the, so the one we're doing in May coming up, the location is in Kansas City. You could go out and buy it. So you
0: can, leave. You, can you can leave, leave. and come you back. You can leave for that
1: one. But the one we do um, in autumn is out at the Gaia Retreat Center, and that's like a ways out in the middle of nowhere. So that one you would have to bring your own camping food for, depending on which one you okay. go to. So okay. it, is, it is a camping thing, yeah. Okay. No, I don't bring my own food. I'm terrible at cooking, so <laughs> I just walk around like a beggar, and I'm like, anybody got some scraps? <laughs> do you um, really? I really do. I really do. So well, then you like, get the best of everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant. There's always that one person, though, that will bring too much food, like, wait and just share it. And I'm like, I live off those people. I count on them. Um, that's camping <laughs> for you. Bookmark
0: <laughs> that tent. <laughs> Go back to that tent in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get some
0: breakfast. Um... Okay, I want to get into these comments if you want to.
1: Sure, absolutely. Or do you want to wait? No, let's do it.
0: So, and thank you, by the way, prior to coming on the podcast, or when you knew you were going to come onto the podcast, you made a post, I don't have the post itself, but it's pretty succinct, Um, just basically you were saying you were going to be on this podcast um, hosted by myself, were there any misconceptions or rumors, blah, 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 that you'd like to see, they would like to see you, excuse me, address. And you got 90-some, 100-some comments, which does a lot of heavy lifting for me when I'm going to sit down and talk to you.
1: Yeah, it made for um, some fantastic conversations. Uh, so I'm just
0: going to, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of punch through a few of these. Sure. And you can just be like, yeah, that's a joke. Like, you, know,
1: you <laughs> okay. can just be like, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, we get that one about a lot.
0: Them. Or you could be like, oh, okay, that's only popular I might be, be. like,
1: who was that? Who said yeah.
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> it was Jen. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say their names. Um yeah, don't. <laughs> I won't.
1: They did um, not. They did not consent to directly being a part of this podcast. But I would like to take their ideas and represent them as much as I can.
0: So I'm trying to find one I can start on. I said that now I can't find one to start on. Um, because I, I didn't like the first one I read. Well, okay, let's just do this one. The devil. The whole worshiping the devil.
1: Oh yes. Uh, this is another example of how the media really influences what people think about paganism and witchcraft and how untrue that tends to be. But for years and years and years, people have said, oh, you know, witchcraft is satanic and it's evil and it's bad. Um, and they've said it had something to do with Satan. And if you've seen the new series of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you might think, oh, witches have to do with Satan because that's kind of on there a lot, um... And so that's another way that it's kind of being misrepresented. So, no, no. Uh, Wiccans, pagans, witches don't necessarily have anything to do with Satan. And we've spent a lot of years trying to say, we don't have anything to do with that. We're not doing anything wrong. Um, There are a lot of Satanists in Kansas City. There's actually a really huge movement of it going around the country. And they're surprisingly rational. If you look up their tenets, it's actually very dope what they're believing and what they're practicing is like pretty cool. It's nothing evil or bad at all. And so I can't say Satanism and witchcraft isn't connected at all because all of these new Satanists that are coming out, some of them do practice witchcraft. So it's kind of a weird, there are people who are Satanists who practice witchcraft, there are people who are Christians who practice witchcraft. Mm. Um, You know, you can find people anywhere doing that practice.
0: The devil one seems to come up a lot.
1: Yes, no, we do. We do not mess with the devil necessarily. Um, one of the archetypes that is worked with in paganism a lot is the horned god, which comes out of history of Europe. If you think like Hérn, um, different deities like that that are kind of like. Uh, or pan. Like they have the hoofed legs and they have the horns. Um, and that really just comes from history is what it is. And they're representations of nature and of the forest. So
0: Mythology, maybe? Yeah,
1: from mythology. I
0: mean, that's what...
1: Yeah, exactly. Kind of
0: mythology is. Greek mythology mythos is made up of, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you <coughs> might see some spooky looking things in pagan houses where there's like guys with horns. Um, but that's more what that is. It's not that modern depiction that we have of the devil.
0: This one's nice. Um, I won't say their name, but it it sums up what you surmised maybe 20 minutes ago. It's automatically assumed that I must be Wiccan and that all witches are Wiccan and that all witchcraft is religious. I'm not Wiccan. I am a witch. My craft does does not always include my deities, especially when I'm doing work for others. Um, That got some action, that comment, and that seems to pretty well surmise, I think, kind of what you've been saying.
1: Yeah. uh, For a long time, Wiccans were kind of the majority. Um, And so they were always the ones who were known for doing witchcraft. Um, And that's not necessarily the case now. People, all kinds of people do witchcraft, like I said. But there's still a little bit of a mentality of they're like, oh, so you're Wiccan. Well, no, I'm not. Uh, Personally, I'm into it. I do Wicca. But I'm sort of a minority actually as far as people who do traditional Wicca um, a lot of people just do their own versions of paganism that aren't as religious and for a lot of people the word religion is a little bit of a trigger because they've had such bad experiences like possibly in conservative Christianity or Catholicism or something like that so they try to avoid anything that is somewhat religious personally Um, I see why a lot of people do that
0: Mm -hmm. that makes sense um. Well, here we are with the devil again. Okay, this this comes up once or twice. Um, I don't even want to say it. I hate to bring up. Anyway, sacrificial animals.
1: <laughs> no, no, we That's, we don't yeah. do sacrificial animals. And if you sort of read. Uh, into the history of people who have done sacrificial animals like in ancient times um, and Judaism and stuff like that, what you actually find out is that most of those sacrifices were just dinner and they were just making a ritual out of how they, you know, killed the sheep and Mm -hmm. created dinner. So even most of the stuff that you read in ancient books is not as scary as it sounds. Um, Honestly though, being nature-based religion, pagans love animals. Absolutely (laughs) love them to death. So
0: It almost seems like there should be a better word than witchcraft.
1: You would think um, that's the one that sticks. Well, some people call it just magical practice, um, but it sort of also depends on what your specific practice is. Like you can get into a lot of you can get into crystal work. You can get into, there's like Italian witchcraft that is a slightly different tradition. Um, okay, well, let's stop Strega. there then. You can.
0: What's Italian witchcraft?
1: Um, I I'm going to call my mom I, right so you know. You should. Um, it's it's <laughs> Strega, I think is what they call it. I haven't practiced it myself. But there are traditions of Italian witchcraft specifically, and they have their own stuff that they do that is sort of unique to them. Um the only little bit of that I've worked with is I have done a protection charm that was a Simaruta um, from Italian witchcraft, and that was a really interesting thing that I enjoyed. But you should look it up for sure. Hmm. A lot of these pagans do find their path by digging into their ancestry, and then that's how they find what sort of style of witchcraft or, or what tradition of Wicca works best for them Um one of the reasons I sort of went to Ireland is because I think I have some Irish ancestry. So it was like, maybe I can learn there. Um, And then digging into, yeah, whatever's in your past usually helps.
0: Interesting. Okay, let's go through a few more of these. Does it require a belief in the supernatural?
1: It doesn't require belief. There are some groups that, um, like the fairy faith groups, that might say, well, you have to believe in spirits to see them or something like that. You get that every once in a while. But the majority of pagans are not operating on faith or belief or anything like that. What we're focused on is experiences. Experiences. So personal experiences that we've had, um, things that are, you know, when you have those weird synchronicities that you're just like, that's one in a million, that's so strange. Uh, and feelings of energy that we learn to sense. And then also collective experiences. You have documents from history of the different witches or different people in history saying, I experienced this. And there, it goes on so long that you're like, okay, well, there's something to it because everybody's seen it, right? mm mm-hmm. But it's very experience-based, and it's not based on just believing in something. I actually would say anybody who's getting into it needs to have healthy skepticism.
0: That's nice. Yeah. I would say that about anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're a natural skeptic. I can yes, tell that. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I really like this one, this comment. I guess I don't like the misconception that as a pagan, I am ante- antagonistic to Christianity or unaware of information about other faiths. I also don't like the misconception that I am casting controlling spells. Um, I thought that was nice because it, this person is saying that they're pagan, but they're open to other faiths. Which to me, I would think if anyone had a, a, big, um, a big bias towards the word paganism or witchcraft or Wiccan, mm-hmm. that'd be a great way to kind of calm that down a little bit, saying, well, you know, it's kind of, a, it's kind of an open-ended equation. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've done a very good job of defining it, but you've also done a very good job of saying it can be kind of what you want it to be.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: really It's can. a way to say I belong to something, but I belong to something that I don't need to put black and white. Someone actually did that, made a comment about that. It's not black and white. You know, it's mm-hmm. not A and B. It's not zeros and ones. It's really up to the interpretation of each individual person, which that's really what all religion is. Um, you know, I grew up 12 years of Catholic private schooling. I can tell you that, you know, even, even, even in in Catholicism, they want you to kind of make it your own thing.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Albeit there is definitely a path that they they prefer you go. An
1: amount of rules where they tell you this is right. Do this. This is the right thing. And they also have a book they want you to follow. Correct. Right. And that's what paganism doesn't have. There isn't someone, um, you know, unless you actually get involved in a pretty toxic group. There shouldn't be anyone telling you this is the one right way. Okay, so um, let's stop. I'm
0: going to stop you there. That's important. It sounds like it
1: is. It is. Okay,
0: so say that again, Katerina. That a the pro, a proper pagan group doesn't have a what one person. Or one book or one code that everyone must dot dot dot, dot, dot buy.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. Um, if you get into a group where someone is saying, This is the only way, this is my way, this is the right way, um, what you're probably getting into is a legitimate cult. And you can find cults about all kinds of things, they're not always religious. So cults, a huge red flag if you get involved. Or yeah. if you think
0: you're getting involved in paganism, witchcraft, wiccan, mm-hmm. and, and all of a sudden, say, my way a-
1: is the only way.
0: And he's there or he or she or they is the That's leader and yeah. you have to obey. Okay.
1: So a healthy leader is always going to acknowledge that there are a lot of traditions. We're always going to say this is how I do it in my tradition, but there are other ways out there. Um, and we might have advice about how to keep you safe, um, especially when it comes to like burning things in fires or whatever, you know, some of that more practical stuff. It might be very like, no, you need to do this or you'll get hurt. But you mean
0: physically? What? Well, yeah, physically. It fire. Ph- you
1: know, physically, okay. we might be like, yeah, okay. don't jump over okay. the fire right now. Okay. Um, so physically, we may have some hard lines about that. But as far as the magic in general, uh, anyone who yeah insists that they know the way or they have the secret is is probably a problem.
0: I think that's very important for anyone listening to this.
1: Yeah, you have to keep that skepticism, and you have to sort of verify with multiple sources. You don't want to just get into one group and follow whatever they do. You want to kind of go to some events and hear different points of view.
0: You know, it's funny. A few people bring up the color black, but it's like, you know.
1: <laughs> it's actually, it's I a don't very, know. I know a lot
0: of people that just wear black. But that
1: is true. But it, like, it is considered a sacred color. In Wicca and in oh, really? witchcraft. Yeah. It's considered, um, so for me, it's the color that contains all colors, if you look from an
0: I've art always art said, perspective. I've always said that. <laughs> yeah. No, I swear, because obviously we're in advertising, mm-hmm. design, whatnot,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when I would tell people, they would, uh, it depends on who you ask, what's your favorite color? I say black. And like, if you have a graphic design background, you're likely to tell me that's not a, a color, that's the absence of color. And I used to tell people no, black is all the colors combined.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> no. what
0: happens when you combine all the colors really just turns gray and brown. But
1: yeah, I like that's to say fair. black. That's fair.
0: It's also just easier to dress this way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is. Everything matches. I I do that as well. Um, Yeah, it is an important color, actually, and it just has a lot of symbolism as far as containing all of that. It also is the color of night, and that's always been traditionally when pagans were meet, and that's mostly because of the persecution, is they had to meet at the nighttime. So they would wear black, they would meet at night, they would hope nobody caught them um, while they were out there doing their rituals. So it's an important one. So you do see a lot of pagans that are sort of goth. Um, I know I am, and I wear pentacles all the time, and I fit the stereotype. So people see me on the street and they're like, are you Wiccan? And I'm like, yeah, they can tell by looking at me. That does happen. It's strange, but it happens. Um, but I have I have all the symbols, you know, and the pentacle and stuff that I'm wearing, so it makes it easy for people to recognize. But that's just me, and that's because I do a lot of activism, mostly Some pagans can't get away with that. Not all pagans are going to dress in black and look witchy. A lot of pagans are just regular-looking people. You wouldn't think anything about them at all if you saw them on the street.
0: I I wouldn't say there's anything that flashy stands out that you're abnormal. You just look like someone who wears black.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's mostly the symbols. Um, So we've often used jewelry as a way to signal to each other that we are of a certain path.
0: And how many people see that symbol and think that it's bad?
1: Not very many. Most people don't think about it. Um, So the pentacle upright, there's been a lot of activism done about what that means, and so most people think that it's a good thing. But if you were to flip it upside down, Uh that's a symbol more associated with satanic groups, um, and depending on who you ask, that is not what it means either. It has some history beyond satanic groups way before them, way back. Um, but a lot of people are scared of it being flipped upside down. I don't get as much problems when I'm wearing it like this, especially if it's a design that has a pentacle and has kind of other things around it, so it's not super obvious.
0: Yeah, I don't know any much about any of this, which is why I'm, it's wonderful that you're here. But doesn't that have to have, not have to have, but isn't that traditionally a six-sided
1: Five, five pointed star in a circle that's is five. a pentacle. Yeah. What's six? The six. Um,
0: is that nothing I six made Six pointed up.
1: star. Well, that's usually um, Jewish. It's usually the Jewish star, but it's used uh-huh. for a lot of other magical purposes. Okay,
0: that's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: And that's right. always an interesting topic for me because we've reached a point where wearing pentacles and like symbols of magic is kind of trendy right now for like mm. college kids. And I always find it a little bit weird because I'll see someone who's dressed with pentacles and stuff and try to talk to them about paganism. They don't know what I'm talking about. They're not pagan at all. And I'm like, how strange is that? Because you wouldn't walk around wearing the Star of David right. and like trying to look like you're Jewish or, or, priest you know, robe pretend, or trying to look like a yarmulke. And then you're not even part of the religion. That would be super weird. Um, so the fact that it's become trendy has ups and downs.
0: Well, it's it's. Um... I would say that it's more that symbol, especially, is more in pop culture.
1: Yeah, than yeah.
0: In, in represented in pop culture than pop culture mm-hmm. represents any other religion. Let me say it that way, because pop culture doesn't necessarily usually represent a religion. But yeah, it's yeah. a it's a trendy symbol that you may see. Per- pretty much anywhere
1: yeah, and every once in a while a celebrity puts one on maybe they know what it is maybe they don't but then it just catches and all of a sudden you have everybody coming in getting crystal bracelets or whatever because some NFL players said that he was into that so <laughs> <laughs> that's always fun
0: do you think Kansas City could use more metaphysical stores
1: actually we have the largest amount of metaphysical stores I've heard of in any city Really? You, yeah, I know. It's very surprising, but we easily have six or seven, um, and for the size of our city, that's very unusual. Tim's to got his mic ready. You're getting ready to say something.
0: Stores. I know when you're. I know when you're ready.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. No,
1: not yet. Right. Um, there, there are a lot of them.
2: Though. I will say that we've got we've got a few that we go to. So, go ahead. Which ones? Oh well, we go to Aquarius. We got a Casey Conjure. We go to. Mm-mm. Crescent Springs and Overland Park. This just to name three of them. Oh, you there's hit one them all called up.
1: Spectrum up in the north. Yeah. There's a couple more.
2: There's a, there's one up on North Oak Traffic Way. Oh, I can't think of the name. We've only been there a couple of times, but yeah. There's Clark So, here. you know, um, I didn't know this
0: before you were coming on, but I told Tim you were coming on the show because I tell him everything, and he was very excited. He, um, do you... Stop, oh, uh, go. No, yeah, I mean, you, you you
2: can explain it, or, or I well, can. Well, I don't know what to explain, but I, you,
0: you touched on that you're kind of into it.
2: Yeah. Um, I've been writing... I don't want a, to speak for you. I've been writing a book for a couple of years now that deals in witchcraft, and I've studied in order to write my characters so that they're actually... Um, like, it's, like, for someone that's, that knows it is going to and be like this person actually understands what a witch is thank you you know they're not, it's not you know it's like I, it's like and I'm having the hardest time because I'm writing this very fantastical story where I don't have witches doing fantastical things mm. you know because mm-hmm. they, they are very grounded um, so I, I told Michael that I've, I've been studying it and that my wife and I have actually gotten into um, crystal energy and, and th- you know just different things kind of like w- Wiccan things. Um, We've done some spellcasting. I mean, just l- trying to learn about it because i found it very interesting. Um, I grew up Catholic and not—I um, don't know—I I don't not into organized religion, mm-hmm. and so and so this has helped me kind of uh, find something to channel my faith. And you know I mean it's helped me with uh, you know to honestly like patience and, and tolerance and just little things, you know just meditating every now and then with incense or candles and stuff like that. Um, I've, I've found it really interesting. What so types hard. of spells have you casted? Uh, nothing nothing real crazy. No, you know, know like whenever I... whenever Zoe goes away uh, back to KU, you know I always do some sort of like a protection kind of spell for her well okay, you know cool. for while she's gone and uh, um, my wife did something for Imbolc last week on the 2nd for, for Imbolc.
0: What's that?
1: That was the holiday that is based mm-hmm. around new life. It's our spring holiday.
2: Yeah. Oh. So she's starting to kind of, what am I going to grow? You know, because she's gotten very into like growing plants and trying to grow, grow herbs and stuff like that. So, yeah. So
0: that's super important, you guys, because I'm over here and, you know, I hear spell casting, and I, even though like, we've been talking for an hour about how this is not what it is, Michael. But you say spell casting, I'm thinking, well, you and Jenny, like, put some energies out there to, you know, whip well, a Powerball or get your neighbor nothing to shut bad. his door yeah. off. I'm not know, trying to cheat any system. Get the mailman to come on time, you know, like something <laughs> a little more nefarious. Um, no, but no. you're using it for
2: completely awesome reasons. Yeah, putting positive energy. Yeah, out positive. Out there. Thank I, you. Absolutely, you know.
0: So, like, again, spell casting doesn't isn't always about, you know, Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, it's about, it can be about gnarly good things.
1: Yeah, a lot of time it's used when people, um, well, traditionally, people in difficult situations use it to help them out, to kind of twist the scales of luck. Um, Most oppressed people have had some version of witchcraft that they engaged in. Some of it may be just psychological to help us sort of cope with the world that we can't control, but there is definitely some power in it and some things that actually do happen when you practice that way. Uh, So it helps make a difference in people's lives in a really positive way.
0: So it's 2023, January, January, (laughs)
1: it's
0: February, 2023. Mm. The past three years have been interesting for anyone alive. Has that boosted interest in...
1: Paganism wicked. Without which, doubt, yes. Anytime people are in turmoil, um, anytime society is struggling, and all of America is struggling right now, people turn to religion and they turn to spirituality and to try to find ways of soothing that, coping with that, understanding that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people during this pandemic were experiencing their first trauma. They really hadn't been anything through anything that difficult before. Um, so it, it shakes you up. It shakes up what you believe about the world. And when you've been shooken up like that, you get more open to other ideas. Uh, it's, it's good in a lot of ways. It can be a problem because those same people who are going through difficult times, they get a little desperate and sometimes they get taken advantage of. So there are definitely, like I said, sometimes you have people who are actually running cults, um, that are a problem. Sometimes you have people who are like, fraudulent psychics Uh, and you can probably tell a fraudulent psychic because they will always try to tell you that there's some kind of a curse on you they will try to make you afraid and then they will ask for money so that you will pay them because you're upset so by the way watch out for that
0: (laughs) you know i will say that was one thing i thought was unique about our time together it was very brief but um, that's what i thought was unique is you were you 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 provided a service for a fee and that was it yeah you weren't there to hook me you weren't there to, 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 to teach me. You weren't there to convince. You weren't there to try to draw out the session. Um, to me, they just said you were completely legit.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: You know, and I can't think of a better way to say it right now because, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Yeah, witches have a long history of selling services like that, and there's there's nothing wrong with selling it. I do believe in equivalent exchange. I think if you're going to be doing a service for someone, if you're going to put energy and time into it, you need some kind of exchange. Uh, I accept trade as well as money, so often people can give me things that aren't money. Um, I've had someone who worked at a plant nursery just bring by a whole bunch of plants uh, one time, and that's how she paid for her tarot reading, and that was fantastic. I loved that. But there does need to be some kind of an exchange, and there's a long history of witches selling those things. It's not weird. You just have to look out for the people who are being more fraudulent and scamming and taking advantage. And it's mostly they will fearmonger. They will try to upset you so that they can get money from you.
0: Is that common?
1: Less than it used to be. Um but i'm worried about it continuing because with the difficult economic times there are more and more people who are looking for you know quick ways to make money so because there aren't degrees in tarot there's not like a college certificate you can get for these witchcraft services um it's not really moderated anybody even somebody who's not you know has no idea what they're doing and is not a good person can just say oh i'm gonna do tarot readings and then start taking advantage of others so it's very difficult thing to police.
0: I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something you posted on Facebook maybe a month ago. Maybe not that long. Sorry. Anyway, it talked about performing witchcraft. Something helped me out, Katerina, When, but, but if you don't open up a door or if doing witchcraft when a door is open or not open or hey, let me just read it.
1: Okay. I was
0: trying not to do this to Waste your time, but I wanted to ask you about this. Because it sounded intense. Yeah. It sounded like it could be intense. Okay, teaching witchcraft without gatekeeping. So I totally had that wrong. Without Mm. gatekeeping, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, that's a video I did recently on TikTok, and it's out on my Facebook as well. So, there's a lot of gatekeeping in witchcraft communities, and it comes back to what I was talking about with people who are running cults of personalities, is they're kind of saying, this is the only way to do it. You have to do it this one way. Um, or, you know, they'll say, well, you're not a real witch because you're not doing the same thing I'm doing. So they're I'm a doing. gatekeeper. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah. So, and okay. that's the term for it is um, they're, yeah, not allowing people into the community because, well, you're not doing it right or you're not doing it how I'm doing or you're wrong. Um, so there's a lot of that that goes around. Unfortunately, our community is really spread out, and there's a ton of groups, and there's not a lot of organizations, so you do get some infighting between people and groups and things like that. But the goal is to be more inclusive and to recognize that there are a lot of different traditions, there are a lot of different paths, a lot of different practices, and that as long as they're all safe and consensual, they're all valid.
0: Okay. But gatekeeping is that one person who kind of says... and. This is how it yeah. should be or how I want it to be. And you're saying witchcraft mm-hmm. without gatekeeping is...
1: It happens in alternative culture as well. You In, like, goth culture, we'll get these sort of elder goths that'll say things like, well, if you don't listen to 80s music, you're not really goth. Like, that kind of thing. So it's like, you can't be a part of our club because, you know. So, but it's gatekeeping.
0: <laughs> you can't listen to 80s music and be goth. I love right. that one. That's awesome. One. Well, I mean, you know, The Cure... That kills a lot of the cure catalog. Um, is there a, I have to ask this question, don't get mad. <laughs> is there a keymaster then?
1: <laughs>
0: I had to ask it. A key it.
1: master to the gatekeeper.
0: Is, there, is, that, is that just because I watch too many movies?
1: <laughs> Probably too many movies. That's um, all I needed to we know. We do have an interesting uh, building in town that was featured in that in that movie though, in Ghostbusters. Seriously? We do. Did you not know that?
0: What what building?
1: I can't remember the name of what it's called, but I recently was working with another witch, and we did an occult tour of Kansas City. So we live-streamed it, and we walked around, and we pointed out buildings that had that. Yeah, occult significance. Um, and one of them is that they modeled one of the Kansas City buildings was the one that was the big one in Ghostbusters, and it's really? based off of one of ours.
0: I huh. I didn't know that either.
1: We have a surprising amount of occult history, a lot of Freemasonry, and a lot of people who... Set up big foundations in this city. We're practicing some form of magic or other. Uh, look no further than Liberty Memorial for that. You see those giant sphinxes, and you get a feeling. And there's a lot of symbolism going in, which is why I think possibly that Kansas City still has such a thriving pagan community and ends up having more shops and more spiritual people than a lot of places. Hmm.
0: Interesting. But you see some symbols of that at that memorial.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: What haven't we covered on here?
1: Let's
0: and while you read those, think about, you know, do you know... Um, obviously, you've started Temple Scarlet.
1: hmm
0: Do you have something else in the works? What's the future of Temple Scarlet?
1: I do a lot of work with crystals, uh, which we were going to talk about. So I guess I can get into that now. Um, and I'm slowly but surely writing a book on that. It'll come out eventually um, but I do a lot of work with crystals. Why
0: are magic. you not in Tucson?
1: <laughs> I know you would think that. Um, Have you I been? Should, I should be traveling. The not, Tucson not Gem Tucson, and Mineral no. Show
0: is going on right now. It goes on pretty much the whole month of February. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Into March a little bit. Yeah. It's like they 45 shut down, days down the whole something. town
1: for a little over a month. Um, yeah. And just fill it with rocks, and then all of the different shops go there to buy wholesale mm-hmm. crystals, and then that's. Um, in some stores, that's kind of how they stock up for the whole year, or Mm -hmm. maybe they'll go to Tucson and they'll go to the one in Denver and that's kind of how they stock up. Have you been? I haven't. I've always wanted to, but, um, haven't gotten around to it yet. It's on my to-do list in the future.
0: Yeah. It, uh, they didn't think they had it, they didn't have it last year.
1: They did have to shut it down a couple years for COVID.
0: Yeah. I think just one year maybe they missed.
1: Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I do know it's going on now and I knew I would like to go one year, um, For a lot of reasons, but like you said, it's good stuff, pretty cheap.
1: Yeah, and it's a fantastic practice to work with crystals, and interesting because it combines some of the stuff that humans have been doing for centuries and centuries ancient egyptians were really big on certain crystal jewelry to symbolize certain things but also the way we work with crystals right now is totally new you know nobody just carried shiny rocks around in their pocket in the past so we we (laughs) have this weird invention of integrating something that's in mythology and in history and then something that we're making up as we go
0: what's your favorite stone
1: Oh, there's too many. No, there's not. Black moonstone is a pretty good one. Um, I like a good garnet. You're They're wearing nice clear quartz. I'm wearing clear, clear quartz. quartz yes. Clear quartz is a solid go-to. Um, I associate it a lot with sort of the higher self and higher ways of thinking. And clear quartz is also one that you can just pair with like any other crystal. It's very universal. Those properties really come from the fact that it's so abundant on the Earth's surface. So it's kind of like it, it is everywhere. It Especially in this area. Everything. Yeah. Do you it ever goes go well. digging? No, haven't been digging yet. You would think that I would do more of that, yeah, like hands-on. But I do a lot of the magic. I would love to go digging.
0: Can you do crystal do ball work?
1: I can a little. It depends on what you're wanting. Um,
0: <laughs> Dare I get my ball out? I know. <laughs> I have a crystal. I have a crystal ball in two plants. I have a crystal ball, two plants, and a howlite, howlite, would you call it a tower or obelisk? Um,
1: Obelisk. Either. Either. Tower is kind of a a short term that they might use in the metaphysical store, but technically it looks like an obelisk.
0: I like it because it catches a lot of uh, of rainbows, has a lot of refractions inside.
1: It does. So this one one is a real quartz crystal ball, and you can tell because of all the different um, little imperfections in it and the way it has these little rainbows and fuzziness Mm -hmm. kind of inside of it. Um you also get a lot of crystal balls that are reconstituted quartz, so they'll be totally clear. And what that is, is they've just they've crushed up the quartz and then they've reformed it. There's a name for that. Ball.
0: I think it's isn't it Gerosol?
1: Gerisol is, is another different one. Gerisol is when quartz becomes opalized. So it sort of looks, it's a little foggy, it's like a foggy crystal ball, and it sort of looks a little like opal, but not quite. Um and then you have opalite, which is not a real like, natural crystal. That's a man-made one that kind of looks like opal, and you have actual opal, which is a gemstone. It's not as readily available, actual opal. Well,
0: opalite would be, like, azurite. Not quite. No? Not okay. quite. Okay. But anyway, can you... Do you do work with...
1: Yeah, mostly what I would use crystal spheres for is I use them in spaces to put an energy in a certain space. Uh, the shape of it the crystal, I find, really lends itself well to, like a circle of energy out around people or around a space. So it is a great thing to have in your office or your house, um, whatever energy you want to bring into a certain room. Obviously, classically, especially in like the 1920s, scrying with a crystal ball was very popular. Um, Did you say crying? Scrying. Scrying? Scrying. That's the word for when you look into the crystal ball and you see visions. I'm sure you've seen it in movies. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work like it works in movies, but I'm sure you've seen it in movies. Uh-huh. Um, so the in that case, the crystal ball is used as a focus tool to help you have visions of, you know, whatever it is. If you have a problem you're trying to solve, you relax, you focus on it. It's a meditative practice. And then you just allow things to come to you. And the visions are like, it's you see them in your mind. Um, more than with your physical eyes. And I think that's where people go a lot of wrong when they're trying to do psychic stuff is they think it's going to be something they see with their eyes, Mm -hmm. but it's really something that you see when your eyes are out of focus, kind of in your head.
0: Does the ball need to be clear? This one actually has a lot of cracks, a lot of refractions, a lot of internal refractions, so it's not like a clear, clear ball. I have a clear one at home that's almost completely clear. has a beautiful kind of refraction down the middle, but this one's...
1: Not at all. It depends on... The person, that's one of those preference things is some people would prefer a clear one and some people, a lot of people prefer the quartz that has these different sort of inclusions Inclusions. in it and that gives them something to focus on. And When you find the ones that have like little bits of red or black from iron or whatever, Mm -hmm. those can actually be more interesting because as you're gazing at them, they sort of look like little clouds or cities or whatever it is.
0: But it doesn't assist in the actual process.
1: It's a focus tool. Um, It can assist in the process. It has an energy of its own, so you can tap into that energy and do it that way. But a lot of what witches use are, you know, magical tools are considered a focus for the energies or something that maybe helps amplify the energies. The energy itself is what you're kind of working with. So you do have, you have brooms, you have wands, you have cauldrons, um, and they all have symbolic meaning. Uh, And that's part of why they're used, is that symbolic meaning. And also because the theatrics of using the tools and dressing up and decorating helps get us into the right psychological space.
0: So how is your crystal work different than maybe um, your healing work or your tarot work?
1: It's pretty tied together. Uh, Crystal work is subtle, I feel like. Uh, I mostly wear different crystals during different times when I want to achieve something Uh, maybe I'm doing a lot of writing one day so I'll have a crystal that is aligned with that correspondence it's good for writers it's good for teachers that kind of thing I have crystals that are good for grounding on a day when you just need to be better grounded and more in touch with the earth uh, and not be caught up in an anxiety loop or something like that Mm -hmm. a lot of people use them to help with stress and they do have an energy of their own but they also just make a great focus tool
0: I like them because they're cool
1: and that's fair. And a lot of people are just like, that's shiny. I love it. That's fine too. You can buy a shiny crystal from a metaphysical store just because it's shiny. And it's good of you to support small businesses. So.
0: Well, and also, you know, some, sometimes you, you get a piece you think you're going to connect with, mm-hmm. like art. I have a lot of art. Yeah. I have a lot of art, not just in this office, but pieces I can. They're pieces I connect with. That's why I have them. There's been occasions where I've outgrown a piece. That piece I traded out. I think maybe a year or two ago, and I had had the previous piece for like ten or fifteen years, and I traded it out because it no longer spoke to me. I called the artist and told him, "Hey, I don't, I'm not utilizing this piece. It's sitting against a wall." Yeah. Um, kind of like that one, except I love that one. <laughs> and um, and I regifted it, or I, I traded him. But I'll do the same thing with you know crystals. I'll, if I have something I enjoy and I no longer find the joy in it, I regift it.
1: That makes um, perfect sense. I don't know if you realized this, but that kind of trading of gifts is a huge thing in pagan culture. Oh, really? People will bring crystals and small I'm gifts I'm a pagan. Around. I didn't even know it. <laughs> hey, you're a pagan, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, and, and they will trade them around like that, um, and they will take things that, you know, maybe I'm not really into this garnet right now, and they will give it to someone else, uh, and usually it finds a home where it's better needed in that way.
0: Yeah, I, I gave um, one of my graphic designers here, Leah, in her window, All those quartz towers and clusters, you know, I knew she had a window in there and they would catch some gnarly light, and I kind of figured she was into it, and I gave her a bunch of quartz a few years ago. Um, But it's nice to see those have a good home. I remember I had a um, mixed media bracelet that I had that I thought I was going to start wearing. I think I gave that to you. Hey, there you go. It's got some (laughs) cool cool stones on there. But what can you tell us about stonework?
1: It's crystal work, work, stonework, whatever you want to call it. it developed. Uh, and that's what's so interesting about it. And
0: Can I come right at you as a skeptic? Sure. Is it legit?
1: Is it legit? The way some people do it, no. And but and the I'm way asking, some people do like it, yes. Like I said, yes. I'm, gonna, I'm, just,
0: I'm not going to ask as a skeptic, not as a personal so much belief, but just address that.
1: Yeah, there's some energy to it. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, go off of that faith mentality that they've learned and so they just pick up a crystal and they're like this is it that's all it's a quick easy fix it's not a quick easy fix the
0: crystal isn't going to do the work for you
1: yeah it's not just going to no more so
0: than a cross or
1: yeah not star
0: david or whatever
1: exactly religious it requires a little bit of a magical practice to get that to happen so you need to be working with them maybe that's cleansing them regularly maybe that's kind of charging them with energy um thinking about what they align with and just connecting with them, meditating with them is a fantastic thing to do.
0: So you charge yours in the moonlight?
1: Yeah. Yeah I do. Every full moon? Not every full moon. Do
0: you bury them or just set them outside? I,
1: I have done both. Um, and that kind of depends. But they on get dirty the if you bury. I know they get dirty, but <laughs> they're rocks. They're rocks. They're rocks. Rocks are already They were
0: dirty for millions of right, years. Were, I know it. it.
1: They don't mind it. <laughs> um <laughs> They do, Um, and one of the things I write about um, and will eventually um, have out there for people to read is how you can charge with all different elements, basically. You can charge with fire, quotation marks. Um, What I'm really talking about is, like, heat, like sunlight. Um, You can charge with water. You can charge with earth. You can charge with air. There are a lot of different ways to do it. You kind of just have to find the method that works best for you.
0: Okay. 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 I pulled a few stones out of, um, out of a small box I keep in the back of my office here.
1: Oh, you have some with you.
0: Oh, of course. <laughs> well, I have some in my office, but I have some that I pulled out for you. Okay.
1: Specifically,
0: um, like I said, they were no longer speaking to me, and I knew you mm-hmm. were coming, um, and I was going to do this at home because I have many more at home, but um, uh, life happened over the weekend, if, it, if, you, if you will. Gotcha. So some things got in the way um irregardless um so let me see what I have for you
1: one of the things that is an interesting new development is that people do crystal readings now where they will put a bunch of crystals in a bowl or a bag or something and they'll say okay pick one and they'll give you a reading based on which crystal you picked tells you about yourself or what you're going through
0: Well, well that makes sense and I believe in that and that's kind of why I asked you what your favorite stone was
1: yeah, there's too many, though. I go through phases. I'll be, like, really into sunstone right now or something like that. It changes depending on kind of, like, what I'm focused on in my life.
0: I like, well, I like, as you can tell, I like the howlite.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, I also like
1: it's a very peaceful minerals one. that
0: are stable. I think that's important. Yeah. I'm going to introduce something that's, one, aesthetically pleasing, and then, two, maybe has some metaphysical properties. I would also don't want it to poison me. So, you know, bringing things like uh, you know, uh right. Uh raw malachite or yeah. you know, things that, yeah. you know, God forbid, what's your cat's name? Rory. Rory, is he the one I met? Yes. You know, God forbid, you know, he brushes up against some certain minerals. <laughs> they would be toxic to him, hmm. you know, or to most a child. of them are
1: not. Or to you and me. Yeah, most of them are not that extremely toxic or else we wouldn't be able to sell them. Um, <sighs> but definitely people do misuse things like malachite and they'll try to like put it in their water bottle or oh something God, like that. Oh, God, yeah. That's right, awful. And that's where it gets to be. You need to be more careful with that about the You see like, like bumblebee crystals. jasper pipes. It's yeah. like, yeah, let's
0: heat up a jasper and smoke
2: through it. Like, yeah. So home, you guys. so you're that's, you know, sick. a lot
1: of handling crystals is usually okay. But yeah, you <laughs> might want to wash your hands, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah don't you... ingest them. They're not for, I, they look like candy. I understand. They're not for eating. Um,
0: <laughs> Do not lick the rocks. <laughs> Do not
1: lick the rocks.
0: <laughs> but yeah. you're right. Infusing water was popular like, like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm,
1: and they mm-hmm. were pretty
0: much putting... yeah. Like, some people were just getting carried away. They were getting carried away. It's like, away. you should not do. be drinking that. Yeah. You'd be better off drinking.
1: Well, crystals have an aspect of magic, right? So they have an aspect of energy, but they also have an aspect of science. They are real things. Yeah. And you also need to kind of know the, a little bit of the science around them. You don't have to, like, go get a degree in it. But you have to know a little bit of the science, which includes, like, malachite is a crumbly crystal made of a lot of copper, and that's not good for you to drink. So...
0: Mm-hmm. So, I guess that was my long way of saying I like stable (laughs) things I don't have to worry about.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, What else, Katarina?
1: Did you have crystals?
0: Well, of course, I always say, okay,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) So, this is only what I had scrolled away here at my office. But, oh, that's a good one. I like that for you. So, that's a small little. I'd say a medium point cluster, needle well, point not cluster, a very stable
1: crystal at all. You don't think? No. Um I guess it's a little bit of a square. Um but this is lovely. This is a whole cluster of quartz points. It's Arkansas. And they're very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very good energy on those. And quartz points are useful for all kinds of things. Um they're kind of they're classic. They're very classic.
0: This I liked. I thought I liked, but the light didn't hit it the way I wanted it to, and the colors didn't come through.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, you'd almost have to put it on a light stand. That's
0: a fluorite tower with purple and kind of a brown kind of Little tan of green. hue at the bottom. Yeah,
1: some fluorite is very transparent, and you can really see through mm-hmm. it, but um, this one is quite a bit darker, as you can tell. And
0: that'll fade in sunlight. Fluorite fades It will terribly. if you
1: leave it in. So you can't just leave it in a window 24-7. No. You uh-uh. want to charge it in light, I would recommend Moonlight. And a lot of crystals are like that. That's, again, yeah. where you have to get into the science of you have to know how this crystal will respond to yeah. something before you toss it in water.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't put selenite in water. You wouldn't put mm. a lot of minerals in water. They would actually dissolve. Um, and then I was really into amethyst eyes at one point. And I had some slices I wanted to give you, but I think they're at home, so they may have to happen in the future. But I do have these eyes.
1: Amethyst is a very good one, and if I if I had to pick like like one, if I had to pick one crystal that somebody should start with, I would probably say ameth- amethyst. It's beautiful, um, good for mental health. It's yeah, it's overall beautiful. It's not too hard to find. It's pretty common. It's
0: a form of quartz.
1: Yeah, these are all nice. What I'm curious about is this quartz crystal cluster. Where that came from, because the energy on this is so different Arkansas. than the energy on your other crystals. So you just got the, it from Arkansas? Uh,
0: no, I. Uh, this is self dug, not by me. Gotcha. I believe this was self dug in Arkansas. Um, I can tell you who did it, but I don't want to really say their name.
1: That's fine. It might have been dug out by someone who had an understanding of the energy of crystals. Oh no, they really most definitely do. Flourish. That's what they do yeah. for a
0: living. Um, they gotcha. They mine. They her and her husband, and now a newborn. Um, this is what they do. They mine for a living and then sell it at uh, various shows and, and online and whatnot.
1: Well, that one has great energy on it. And if you ever want some more positive stuff occurring in your life, I'd hang out with this one for sure. Well,
0: I can't because I'm giving it to you.
1: Are you? So. Okay. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> these are for you, you except for you can't have my ball.
1: Okay, I won't, I won't take your crystal That's sphere. That's my crystal um, sphere. Yeah, I will not do that. But um, And the rest of these, we can rehome them. We might keep a couple of them.
0: That's totally, yeah. that's up to you. These
1: are pretty fine. So do you ever, you have all these crystals, do you ever cleanse them, or what do you do with them? No. No. Okay, <laughs> you just have them. They're just there. They're just pretty, well,
0: I ha- fine. Well, I, uh, I have a, like I said, I have another sphere that's roughly a little bit larger than this. This is probably 90 millimeters. I probably have one that's about 110 millimeters at home, and it's almost completely clear. Mm-hmm. But I have that surrounded by some rainbow obsidian, three pieces of shungite, and... Uh, uh, I believe that's it. And then I have a piece of howlite as well at home.
1: Nice. Um, so I you just keep like a halide, few yeah.
0: out in public. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be a sympathetic. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be a, um, what do you want to call it? I'm, gonna, I can, I can think, I'm not going to think of the right word. But, um, but anyway, um, I like those two, and there's, there's a lot more. but.
1: Um. The symbolism for every crystal is different depending on who you ask anyway. You can pick up different books and look up a crystal, and they're going to say different alignments and different correspondences for Mm. the same crystals, which is really confusing. Um, But the way that they get these correspondences is based off a lot of factors. It could be the color or the shape. It could be about the environment where that crystal grows. They latch onto some symbolism of that crystal that they find in nature, and then that's what they say when they work with it. And the experiences are pretty subjective too. So -hmm. because we are all so different, the way our energy interacts with different crystals can be different. Not everybody reacts the same way to hematite or jet i've Mm -hmm. known people who hate it i've known people who love it um so yeah it's interesting like that that a crystal can really align with a lot of things
0: well (coughs) excuse me (coughs) but also um sometimes it's more about the aesthetic like Mm -hmm. i like carvings skull carvings yeah, And I'm not a big agate fan, but I have an agate skull <laughs> because the banding was cool and it looks cool as a carving. Mm. You know, it's a five inch skull. Um,
1: agate makes great carvings. Yeah. And it's always fantastic when people who maybe they aren't even really into paganism, but they'll come in and support a metaphysical store. Um, sorry, support a spiritual store in some way, especially if it's a small business. And I'll get into that. So... As I was talking about earlier, there are people who do sort of pagan clergy work and they do work in the community and, you know, they help people and they guide people. Traditionally, those people have opened up shops, um, opened up metaphysical stores because we don't have a role for paid clergy. So they had to find a way to pay their bills while they were also offering these services to their community. So these small shops that are privately owned are usually people who are also doing good community work and really need support. Now we're getting into this weird time where you can buy this stuff at like Walmart, and that's really damaging because it's actually taking business away from clergy who don't really have any other way to get paid um, oh. for doing all this spiritual work. It's been, it's been really a mess. So if I had to say anything about, you know, buying crystals just because they're pretty cool, try to make sure you get them from a small shop.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I buy from individuals.
1: Yeah, perfect. Perfect.
0: Uh, mostly. I have one or two pieces from Aquarius, but... Um. There
1: you go. And Aquarius is a small... They're one of a kind. Like, the building itself is big, but they just have less than six employees, you know, so... That's it? Oh, yeah. It's very small. Oh, wow. Yeah. The building is huge, though. So they are the biggest metaphysical store in the Midwest in that way. Um, it is? Yeah. Wow! See, yeah, it's very surprising. Well, because Kansas yes, City has it's a big a building, lot of spiritual but stuff, but it's not
0: big to where you would I would mm. think it's the biggest in the Midwest.
1: We have authors from California that have come through and been just wowed by Aquarius because other wow. places don't have as many stores like that. Uh, when I was in Dublin, they only had I could only find two metaphysical stores, and that's been a while. They might have more now, but um, they they really were not as common. But Kansas City, yeah, Kansas City has it. We've been doing it a while.
0: I, I, I seriously, and I said this to someone about two years ago. Kansas City needs more metaphysical stores because I thought there was a market for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is based on inventory and prices that I've seen mm-hmm. around retail wise. I thought you know there's a room for a more robust, strictly you know gem and mineral and semi precious because um, I also collect semi precious.
1: Mm, nice. <laughs> so, yes, you like the finer all things o- in life. I'm all over the
2: board. <laughs> hold
0: on you have to
1: talk because they can't hear me all right where are my stones we're gonna get some semi-precious stones here oh, i having worked at a metaphysical store for so long and especially one that sort of aquarius tends to sort of specialize in crystals so i learned a lot about crystals there so
0: this is a piece of faceted ametrine. You can't really see the bi coloring in here. I, I love that say, they're doing I also a, have developed the second a taste half of this for... podcast is all visuals.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and sorry, and no
0: one gets to see anything. <laughs> you just have to keep listening.
1: Um, but yeah, I'm also yeah become fond of the more quality crystals, and I like to develop relationship with one really nice stone, um, as opposed to the approach where you just collect a ton of cheaper crystals. Do you like that
0: praleozite?
1: I've never even seen one. Well, I might have, but. That's lovely.
0: You can have it if you want it. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. It's a green amethyst. I feel spoiled. Yeah, no, that is actually incredibly rare. Eh,
0: not really.
1: <laughs> rare for most people, <laughs> it's yeah. It's just cut. That's fair. That's fair. This is a lovely, you've got a lovely cut. It's just a yeah, smoky quartz. Here. Faceted
0: smoky quartz.
1: Um, and this, I do love. I love ametrine. I love it when you have citrine and amethyst growing together. I don't think a lot of people realize that citrine and amethyst are the same thing. Citrine, amethyst, smoky quartz, quartz. It's all it's all the same crystal. Um, mm-hmm. Just the different circumstances it develops in gives it its specific color. So is it
0: true that amethyst spends more time underground, and that's why it's it has that hue? Because it's more it's been more rusted.
1: You have to check me on this one. I think it's the other way around. I think that it's been exposed. more time. Yeah. That's
0: why it's that color.
1: Yeah, but I could be wrong. I know citrine um, forms under higher heat, and that is part of what makes it yellow because actually— That's
0: why there's fake and natural that's, citrine. That's,
1: right. That's why there's natural and, yeah, altered citrine. Mm-hmm. So you can take amethyst and you can add heat to it, and it will turn that yellow color.
0: Mm-hmm. We can do the same thing with smokies. Yeah. You can darken them by making them irradiated. We're yeah. talking to each other now. <laughs> um,
1: are we? Are, are we done with the podcast? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you want to wrap up? What else did we miss? Anything? Is there anything else you want to say?
1: Um,
0: I think we. You yeah.
1: Let me. Let me plug the Temple Scarlet website yes, plug, for a second. Plug. plug. So. In addition to doing the retreats that I've talked about, they're kind of the main thing, but the Temple Scarlet website has a lot of resources. There's a whole resources page for helping you like, find um, body-positive and like pagan-friendly therapists. Uh, there's all kinds of different resources for helping with STD testing, where the local places you can go to get things like that, resources for teaching consent, a lot of cool similar groups and like even comics that you can follow online that teach about polyamory and that kind of thing. So definitely check out our resources page if you're ever in need of any of that stuff. Um, Give it a browse and if you're willing to, we have a donation page where I love to get donations. This is my thing, and I want to be able to give more time and energy to it. So I always ask people, if you can give me five bucks a month, that'll add up and make a huge difference. Uh, or just a one-time donation is really cool, too.
0: Would you like to come on after your retreat and talk about it? Sure. Or before?
1: After would be better. After. I bet I'll have good stories. Okay.
0: I'm going to hold you to that.
1: Okay. I'll do it.
0: All right. Should we get out of here? Sure. All right. Let me shake your hand. I appreciate you coming by. (laughs)
1: Thanks. Thank you. I feel spoiled. You've given me so much stuff.
0: Thanks for listening to the Little Agency (laughs) That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on fasonipartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks.